Is your parenting journey turning out differently than you imagined? It's never too late to begin your family's transformation journey. Welcome to the Adoption Wise Podcast, formerly the Adoption Connection Podcast, where you'll rediscover the confident and connected parent you long to be. I'm Lisa C. Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's workshop on neurodevelopmental movements. When I first contacted Sonia about this, I kind of had the idea, a lot of our families come to us and tell us that things like MNRI or like reflex integration have been really helpful. And so we kind of went on the search for an expert in such things. And Sonia actually said, that's just a small part. There's so many more things to know. And so we're super excited to have her here to talk with you guys today. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you start maybe with just perhaps a little introduction about who you are, what you do, and then you can take it away. And already I'm intrigued by the slides. I really appreciate um, being here and thank you for everyone listening and joining in. I got started with neurodevelopmental movement first through a training that I took that was basically doing movements to help with education. But what I found was that for my own children, when I started these movements, we had one daughter who had some birth trauma and a lot of hypersensitivities. And our next daughter, she had a lot of trauma from the womb life having to do with a previous uh, child that we lost. So it was really hard for me because I didn't have these tools then to manage my own nervous system. So that uh, pregnancy with our daughter, our next daughter was so challenging. And because I was pretty anxious the entire time and I knew enough because I'd read so many birthing books, I'd known enough not to be, that it was bad to be anxious, but I, I, I didn't know really how to help myself out of that. And so that, that little soul there, she ended up being really hyperactive. So I had one who was hypersensitive, one who was hyperactive, and I was homeschooling at the same time. And they were constantly, even though they loved each other, they were constantly triggering each other. And there were days when I was just in tears, not knowing what to do. And I was, I remember one day yelling at them for yelling. And I just thought, I, I don't know what to do. I am so off track. And then I found these movements and I started, I, I found the first thing I found was just from a book that I'd read. And then I started doing some of the things like one thing I can show you right now. I started doing this thing where I put the thumbs down, curled up like this, have the tongue on the roof of my mouth and my legs are also crossed. And it's just incredibly calming. And that started working to stop them from engaging in more arguments and fights. And prior to that, I had tried so many other things. I tried, you know, different ways of getting us out of those kinds of negative spirals. And one of them was nonviolent communication. 
which is a wonderful set of tools, but I realized it doesn't work well when you're really triggered. Like we forget that we have those tools, even though I trained myself in it, I trained our daughters in it. It didn't, the, the tools kind of went out the window when we couldn't access them when we were stressed or fighting. And so when I found these movements and they work so fast and they work so well, I was like, I have got to learn more. So at the time, our family was living in Hawaii. And, you know, I'll just move through a slide here so you can see a little bit of the background here. But at the time we were living in Hawaii, there wasn't much training. And we ended up moving in 2006 to the Pacific Northwest. And I was able to, by that time, our youngest daughter was six. And I was able to start training. And I just fell in love with it. I was just so amazed. And because we had just moved and we were in transition, my husband wasn't working at the time. So I literally went to class after class after class. I ended up taking 50 courses in neurodevelopmental movement. And some of those were MNRI courses, a lot of them actually. But another whole body of work was from rhythmic movement training, which I also, I took enough courses to become certified as an instructor with all three levels. I had also been developing my own curriculum at the time, which was Brain and Sensory Foundations, which pulled together lots of training that I've had from different body work. I I had body work training because I had previously gone through a lot of car accidents and things like that. So I pulled together a lot of things. I had done play shops because I, and I knew I had a mentor who was super emphatic and rightly so about the need to make it playful. So I just combined the best of the best tools from all these different courses. And it, it turned out to be super useful. And my goal was to get these tools to parents. And what happened is, even though I was going to all the homeschooling lists and parent groups and things like that, there were very few parents coming in. It was mostly occupational therapists and physical therapists. So kind of in order to survive as a functioning business, I had to do the work to make sure that my course was approved for professional level CEUs. And we've had that approval in place with OT since I think 2014 or 2015. As part of that whole process, I got really into doing the research. I'm currently in a master's program, and I've loved every minute of it, mostly because I very often hear stories. I've read over 1,600 case studies now, so I know this combination of tools works. It works beautifully, and I'm going to share with you why it works and more about the excitement of it. I know we don't have a whole lot of time. So neurodevelopmental movements include the primitive reflexes. And by the way, I I really love the MNRI program. I learned a ton with that. But there's more. And it's it's a very good program. And it's wonderful that parents are looking into it and finding out about it. The things that I have added, in addition to reflex integration, are tools that are really playful, so playful ways, 
and also the all-important innate rhythmic movement. So that's why I use the term neurodevelopmental movement because it's an umbrella term, including as much of development as I can include in there that I know of. So that would be the primitive and postural reflexes, the developmental movements, which are ones pretty much everyone's familiar with, like crawling is a developmental movement, sitting up, the milestones, those kinds of things. And then there are these phenomenal innate rhythmic movements. And these haven't been studied as much in the research literature, but there is information about them, which I will share. And I love these movements because they're so impactful for our functioning, mainly because they're calming and the brain and body already recognize them and know what to do with them. And that's true of all these neurodevelopmental movements. They're recognized by the brain and body because they're part of natural development. And what happens so often and sadly in our culture is that natural development is hindered either from excessive stress, problems with pregnancy, birthing, wound life, or infancy. And there's a lot of things in our culture that hinder these movements from working naturally. But the great thing about it is that we can use these movements later on and they still work beautifully. So an overall general view of what these movements do, they develop the brain and the nervous system and the sensory system. They're critical for developing muscle tone, muscle strength, stamina, and coordination. They mature the lower parts of the brain to give us access and connections to the upper parts of brain, which is where we have our emotional and social skills, where we have our ability, all those executive function things to get to the front brain so we can control our impulses, communicate, solve problems, focus, those kinds of things. So they're really important for learning and for our balance and posture. So think about the ability to be upright, free of tension. And I'd love to share this photo because it really gives a visual of what we're talking about here. So when we see children who are not functioning well, what I learned from Dr. Blomberg, who developed the rhythmic movement training, which was actually a combination of innate rhythmic movements and reflexes, he talked about the problems that we see in children stem from poor development, and you can see it in these pictures. So the, the babies on the top row, they have, they've gone through their neurodevelopmental movements without hindrance. That's why you see they're able to be upright, free of tension. They're ready to explore their world. They're ready to engage. They will successfully explore their world and engage and and this is the picture of a happy baby right here. The ones on the bottom, sadly, this is happening so much, even in children who are functioning fairly well or even excelling, you can still see some underlying weaknesses in their core because of their bad posture. Now, some of that is definitely learned, like the tech neck thing, when you're on your technology and things like that. But some of it also has to do with the core not being set from infancy. And that has huge implications 
for the way we function for the rest of our lives unless we correct it later. So first of all, if if we do this ourselves and we scrunch up like this and we sag or we are more slumped, we're not able to take as deep of a breath. We don't have as much room for our internal organs and there's not as much oxygen going to the brain. Not only that, we're weaker and we have less stamina. That makes a huge difference in the amount of ability that we can go and explore our environment with and then our ability to develop our sensory systems. So these are common challenges when these innate infant movements or neurodevelopmental movements have not been have not gotten to do their complete full depth and breadth and repertoire. So there can be anxiety and fight or flight states, ADHD, sensory processing disorders, poor balance, free states or withdrawal, muscle aches, learning delays, poor core strength and sleep issues. And I, I'm going to show a video of a little boy who was adopted at 18 months, and we're going to see him. I think he's six in the video. And um, he made huge changes with the introduction of these rhythmic movements. And one of the big changes was he had constantly had leg pain. So his legs were always hurting him, even if he just walked five or 10 minutes. So he got amazing results in his development. And then he walked around a whole um, carnival for hours without complaining once of leg pain. And I bring that up because it's hard for a parent maybe to understand that the child is not being lazy. They're not being defiant. Like they really are struggling. And so hopefully those pictures of the baby will kind of bring that home. And we should all be paying attention to these things more. Um, when they took a group of children and they assessed their quality of movement and their gross motor performance in infancy and early childhood, then they followed them to when they were 6 and 12 years of age or somewhere in that range. They could see that the children in infancy who had poor motor skills ended up being the children later on who were anxious and depressed or who had those signs. So that is really important. And the main thing of why that's important is we can do something about it. We can intervene at any time. We can use neurodevelopmental movements to build these foundational skills that you can see here are so important because they really do affect us for life. And I mean, we're, human beings are designed so beautifully. And I've really been in awe of these movements and the design of human beings because it's so perfect. It's so perfectly put together. The more you study this, the more you go, wow. But the problem is, is there are so many hindrances and that's what we need to take care of, you know. But when there are hindrances, this is a, a picture, we, we kind of touched on this already, where when this survival brain or the lower parts of the brain 
are stuck in their development, then the system is sort of constantly raw and vulnerable, hypervigilant. And the question is always, am I safe? And so children learn to be manipulative or they learn to misbehave or they learn to do anything they can because their brain is wired just to focus on safety. So if you can calm and mature and organize that lower part of the brain, then everything else holistically um, functioning in the brain starts to come online much better. And so the quote here is from a mental health therapist who is using these movements with children with trauma and neglect. And She's saying that most of the things we do as mental health therapists are aimed at higher brain regions, but the primitive brain is where we need to focus, at least initially. And we can transform the fight-flight-free states by using these principles of applying the neurodevelopmental movements, boosting development, and using the natural uh, tendency of the brain to grow and change. So I'm going to focus here mostly on the rhythmic movements because we don't have a lot of time, but also because they're the best place to start with a movement program because they're calming and soothing and because most children love them and most children will ask for more. Not every child, and if a child is really sensitive, like some children won't let you touch them at all. And so we have ways that we work with them to gradually bring them forward to be able to handle the touch. So as you might guess, these are a key for healing trauma. And if you guys are aware of the work of Bruce Perry, which I'm sure, I'm sure you are in this group, he talks about the importance of rhythmic stimulation to regulate the brainstem. And he doesn't know about these movements yet. I've written to him and I'm working on it, but he does know about rhythm and the importance of it. But we're going a step, a step further than just giving rhythm. We're giving rhythm that the body recognizes already because these are the movements that are innately, they're hardwired into us. And the reason they're hardwired into us is because they're so important for our development. So when we get them, the brain and the body go, oh, okay, thank you. And the brain starts to grow. The body starts to calm. And one rhythmic movement that is innate that everybody's familiar with is sucking. Sucking is rhythmic. And that's one of our first calming movements that we do in the womb. Okay. So these are all challenges with atypical rhythm. So if a child goes through their womb life or their birth or their early infancy with stress, almost always they're going to have an atypical rhythm or one that's not quite right or one that's a little glitchy. And when that's the case, there can be speech and language disorders, developmental coordination disorders, ADHD symptoms, and dyslexia. So here's an example of the kinds of changes that we might see just applying the rhythmic movements. Now, This is an OT that sent me this story, and they hadn't even gotten to the reflexes, which, again, the reflexes are really important. I'm going to talk about those if there's time. 
this was a child at eight years old was having severe behavior issues. And it was so severe that he was in a special uh, school. When he had a major meltdown, it was violent, as you can see, throwing chairs and yelling. And he would have four to five adults holding him down. So this is hugely traumatic for everyone. And they started doing these rhythmic movements. And he has hardly had any behavioral or emotional outbursts since he started. And within six weeks, he had already made gains in balance, coordination, sensory processing, impulse control, and frustration tolerance. So this is huge. And I, you know, I read something like that and I think, wow, this is amazing, awesome, I love it. And then I go, what about all the kids who their parents don't know about this or or they need this, but they don't get it? And that's where keeps me up at night and why I'm very thankful for programs like this to help spread the word. Here's another uh, little boy who he was adopted at, I don't remember the age at which he was adopted. Uh, it's pro- it's in the case study, I'm sure, but he was four at the time that this was written and he had already been kicked out. Well, He had been refused service from an OT. Unfortunately, he was dismissed from OT because she didn't know what to do with him. His behavior was so extreme. His mother couldn't leave him alone with his other siblings because he would scratch and bite and push. And he had this really terrible behavior. And you can see here he had excessive sensory processing challenges. So, you know, you can see he is able to overcome the sensory issues, which those are the things when you have extreme underdevelopment of the lower brain centers and you have primitive reflexes unintegrated and you haven't had enough of these rhythmic movements, you're not going to be able to have... uh, good sensory processing. It just won't, it just doesn't happen because these are the very movements we're designed with to develop sensory processing in the first place. So that's why when you give the movements, the sensory system gets the stimulation it needs to mature and the brain and body can calm down. And then you don't have to be in this hypervigilant state. So anyway, his mom was able to, after they did these movements for a while, and he learned to trust and stop having the reactive attachment and would sit in his mom's lap, he could be left alone with his siblings. So these are these are huge, important changes and stories here. So life cycle of a primitive reflexes. So many of you are familiar with these super important movements. And for those who aren't just very quickly, these are movements that are innate. Again, they're hardwired into us. And one that we all recognize is this one where you, you press a baby's hand when they're first born and they will grasp. And this has many different functions. So, but this is the important thing about this is this is automatic meaning that when you give the stimulus, the baby will automatically do this as long as they're healthy. They should be expressing in infancy because you need that. You need that. You need, it's like you're, 
your first exercise program, your first movement program to get you from the stage of being a helpless infant up to walking. You need to have a, a systematic, well-integrated um, way of getting you up and dealing with gravity and being able to be upright, walking, ideally with alignment, coordination, flow, and rhythm. There's a lot of brain maturity going on with these movements because the brain sending information to the muscles, the muscles are sending information back. So these are designed to be there in the womb and at birth and early infancy. They're there for our survival, for our protection and our development. So they emerge just spontaneously as a result of a healthy development. And then they repeat over and over. You'll be able to do that until such time as the brain and the body and the sensory system get that mature and then somehow our brain knows I've had enough of that. If you touch me here, I can have a choice whether I do this or not. And that's really important because if you have a choice, you're not obligated to do that. And you can go on to learn something more precise and more useful, right? But if you're stuck here, then holding a pencil or counting are going to be more difficult. So these are well known in the scientific literature. They've been used in infant assessment to determine whether the nervous system is healthy or dysfunctional. So when they assess an infant, remember those, these, all these different movement patterns, and there are many of them, they're supposed to be there. But later on, they're supposed to be dormant. That's why you see over time, the frequency diminishes, and then they merge into these more voluntary movements that the baby has more precision and more control. So hopefully that's helpful. So we already talked about this, but these are all things, some of them are new here on the list, but these are all in the research literature and we've, we've got it on online if you're wanting to look that up. Um, but this is important. All of these conditions, anxiety, ADHD, sensory processing disorders, learning issues, poor balance, poor posture, speech and language challenges, emotional and behavior difficulties, which I'll share a slide about that, and schizophrenia, all are linked to retained primitive reflexes. Just go to moveplaythrive.com forward slash mental health. And um, it doesn't matter if the mental health is capitalized or not, but it's just, you just make it into one word, mental health. So moveplayfrive.com forward slash mental health. Um, there's so much up there that is fantastic resources, research. You can see videos from mental health therapists. There's a whole presentation I gave that is free. I have to figure out how to link to that, actually. I'm glad we're talking about this. So I'll have to write myself a note. But anyway, there's a lot there that is really worthwhile. That was actually a project that I did for my master's program. Anyway, it turned out great. <laughs> so here is a study that they look specifically at some of these retained primitive reflexes. Now, remember, once the child has gone through the toddler stage, these primitive reflexes should be well dormant, like they should have developed into other more precise voluntary movements. Otherwise, it really causes hindrances. And 
it can cause emotional and behavioral challenges. I shouldn't say cause, but it's correlated to emotional and behavioral difficulties. And Dr. Blomberg taught that that's a direct result of an immature brain and one that's under-functioning. So here is one particular primitive reflex that for our discussion of fight or flight, it's really important. It, it And for sensory processing. And I can tell you why. So the moral reflex is really important to our survival when we're infants. What it has to do with is if there's a sudden sensory input, the baby will startle and shake and then sort of come back into a clinging mode back to the center. But when they startle and shake, their arms go out, their legs fly out. And it's um, often accompanied by the baby crying and by skin tone changes. So what happens in the body is that adrenaline and cortisol are secreted at the time that the baby's startled. And it's really important to survival because it's, I mean, it's there for a good purpose. It alerts the caregiver. It gives our nervous system that practice of having a fight or flight response. We need that for emergency situations. But the problem is, is if you don't get proper care in infancy, or if you don't get proper movement in infancy, then this can be left in your system. And this was me. (laughs) This was me. I didn't realize I had this until I started learning about these movements. And it just made so much sense. And this was why I didn't understand why I had this underlying anxiety. Well, I didn't even understand that I had anxiety. I was always just... (laughs) I was always just compensating. You know, I I was one of those kids who I got good grades in school. I didn't cause any problems. I kind of just made myself invisible. But that stayed with me until my 40s when I started learning this 17 years ago. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I got out of it doing these movements. And I was like, oh, all of a sudden there was just this well of, spontaneous joy and I could function better. I could do things like, you know, things I had never been able to do, like braid my hair in the back without a mirror, (laughs) just like all this funny stuff. And then my visual acuity changed. My vision improved. There were just so many things that felt so good. And I was way less reactive to sensory stimulus. I was way more calm and less controlling, which my family really appreciated. So anyway, the earliest, the earlier you can get a hold of these tools, the better. And I'm very aware that it's a very stressful time to be a parent. So parents need these movements just as much. They're highly nurturing. And, but anyway, back to the, the point here. The actual physiological response for this reflex is a fight or flight response. It's the same exact response where you have increased heart rate, increased breathing and sweating, a secretion of adrenaline and cortisol. Again, it's good when you're a baby to have that when you get a sudden sensory stimulus that startles you. 
because it alerts your caregiver. As long as the caregiver is there, you get held, you get rocked, you get you get comforted, then your body learns that it's safe. And but if your mother has an unintegrated moral like I did, I wasn't able to teach my children, even though I was totally there for them physically, my nervous system was in such a state where I they would get hurt or something. And because of the trauma of our, our first child having a traumatic birth, and she was in intensive care as an infant. You know, we were both really compromised in our nervous system. So if she got hurt, I would be right there. I'd pick her up. I'd comfort her. I'd nurse her. I'd do all that stuff. But inside, my nervous system's going, woo, you know. And so <laughs> she can sense that. Even if I say it's okay, you know, th- th- they can sense the underlying reality of where your nervous system is. And so it wasn't until, you know, we all started doing this as a family that we had huge and tremendous changes uh, with our girls. So that's what I recommend. It can be super joyful for families to do this together. So here's another case study with a child who had reactive attachment disorder, had multiple outbursts per day, directed towards siblings, difficulty with transitions and schedule changes, and then he was able to do it, reduced outbursts, less aggressive. He could work through his day without the meltdowns. And so there, there's many stories like this. Another one where you can see with this one, this child complained of headaches, and I'm almost positive this little girl was 11. So she, after doing the movements, she had fewer headaches much less neck pain when she was working at a table. Her startle reaction, which we just talked about, was much less. And her emotional regulation was better. And she even got better in terms of bedwetting, which she had had a problem with and during the day and night, actually. And then much more able to do things that were challenging and difficult for her. So I think... I don't have too many more slides. Well, I have some research slides here, but these are showing how challenges with the primitive reflexes, and this goes, look at this goes way back till 1982. So these studies have been around for a very long time and there are new ones coming out. But just to give you an idea, these are linked with mental health challenges. They're linked with anxiety in children and adults. And Here's what I think is so cool is there are studies showing that if you take a child with anxiety and you give them movements to help them with their balance, which is exactly what the rhythmic movements and the primitive reflexes are designed to do. That's the, that's our natural human innate way of learning posture balance and core strength. But they didn't use those exact movements in this study, but they did use movements to help children with balance. And what they found is that it lowered their anxiety and increased their self-esteem. So it's just so worth doing this. Here's a kid who had poor balance that's super anxious, wouldn't leave his mom's side, wouldn't go to sleep alone. And they noticed huge changes, not only was he able to 
get freedom from the anxiety, but he got better in his, uh, I think he was in some kind of martial arts, but I don't know the one, so I don't want to say it wrong, but he got much better in his martial arts and he could, yeah, he developed better balance. So I think I'll just let everyone know that you can learn more at the Brain and Sensory Foundations course. And I, I welcome everyone who wants to learn this. It's, it's, it's such a good way to bring a gift of in-depth, calm and nurturing to your whole family and set children on a foundation that's going to serve them the rest of their lives. So more information at moveplaythrive.com. And I do have that video that I can share if you would like. Should I share a video? Why don't we do this? Because the video won't translate very well to the podcast. Why don't I have you go ahead and just tell people where they can find out more, reiterate your website one more time for the sake of the podcast, and then we'll go to the video and the Q&A. Okay, great. So you can learn more at moveplayfrag.com and just go to the courses section. And um, the course is called Brain and Sensory Foundation. There are two levels. They're both great. Most people just start with the first one. And we have many case studies that are published. And you can read the stories and they'll give you hope and inspiration. So thanks again. Great. And I know you said that they're approved for continuing education, but would they also be appropriate for caretakers, parents, like folks who don't have a background in, say, OT or other? Yes, absolutely. I developed this course first for parents and it's very doable. Um, You know, it takes time to learn, but right away. So there are eight sessions in the first level and nine in the second. And right from the first session, you can start applying things. And I, I just know you'll get results if you apply consistently. Um, that's been my experience over and over again. And, and usually you see results within a month. 99% of the people see results in a month going in the right direction. That doesn't mean you're done. You want to spend some time and do it because you're, you're, you're replicating development here. You're not just, it's not like this quick, it's not a pill. It's not a, it's not a magic bullet. It's, it's helping development, natural development do the job it was supposed to do. Thank you so much. I'm so fascinated and I can already see we offer the safe and sound protocol here at. Uh-huh. Adoption wise. And so I can already see how adding some neurodevelopment movement in families who are also helping the nervous system with sound, like I can just see all the places that that connects. So I'm super excited. Thanks for all of those things and building all of those resources for families. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And thanks for everyone listening. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our Instagram handle is at AdoptionWise. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at adoptionwise.org slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. Remember, you're a good parent doing good work. Music for the podcast is composed by Alexandra 
Alexandrov.